psychotic geeks obsessed with every little detail. It'll never get on the air. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. I've just been informed that we are going off the air. Off air with Emily and Catherine. I apparently left all my glasses in the car. Oh, fun. I don't give a fuck. That's fine. <laughs> Look, I have peanut butter. Oh my gosh, is it special no carb peanut butter? I mean, it's got carbs, but. Well, good for you. I mean, I just like peanut butter. Yeah. I'm a peanut butter I needed something promoter. to dip my celery in. Fuck yeah, you did. Can't be eating plain ass celery. No. Who does that? Serial killers. What a convenient segue. Holy. Oh my God. <laughs> do I want to scoop a little of this peanut butter back in there to eat it tomorrow or do I want to finish it? Mm. That's a lot. I'm going to scoop a little bit back. So are you eating carbs at all before Tame the Terrain? No. No? Mm-mm. Cool. Because I feel like it'll make me sick, actually. Yeah, you're supposed to do it like two days before, so tonight would be your night. Yeah. I yeah. feel like it would still just make me sick. Just make you upset? Mm-hmm. Make me upset. <laughs> Wouldn't make me upset. Make your tum-tum upset? <laughs> make my tum-tum upset. Your little upset. bitty belly. And then nobody would want to be around me tomorrow because I'd be stinky. And probably really grumpy. So the other day when Brian was in here, mm-hmm. we're talking about Tame the Terrain because what bef- after we record this, but before you hear this, mm-hmm. we're going to die. We're going to be fucking <laughs> beasting it through Muscatatuck County Park. Mm-hmm. All which, muddy. All muddy. And dirty. Can't wait. Mm. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, really, I'm, fucking, I'm, really I'm actually excited. like pumped now, like for real. Um can't wear those shorts. I tell you about the shorts I tried out, and they just rolled up. Oh, yeah? And I felt like I had to run those three miles around the central track in a pair of fucking underwear with mm-hmm. my cottage cheese thighs. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure someone was recording me. Ooh. A woman that I I was like, oh, is that so-and-so who I used to work with? And then I, like, I saw the patented, like, Oh, I'm taking a selfie, but I'm not really turn mm-hmm. of the phone. Yeah. What well, you know what? That was like mile three of these thighs, and you were sitting on your ass all day, ex-coworker. So yes. suck my dick. So suck it. Anyway. Well, I mean, at least you found out that you can't wear those shorts. Oh my Prior god. To, I cannot. <laughs> Prior to getting <sighs> being like muddy. Yikes. Could you imagine wearing those shorts and then like diving into a mud pit? Constant, constantly wanted to tug them down. And then I just had to be like, hey, you're gonna like, really wreck your time if you keep doing this. So mm-hmm. you're just going to have to let it go and run in these shorty short shorts. <laughs> and I did. Ugh. So I woke up at 4.54 this morning. Nice. I had a Snapchat from Brittany. It was, like, a cute picture of Link laying in bed asleep. So since I realized it was 4.54 and I was, like, frantically trying to get all my shit together so I could get here by 5. Mm-hmm. I just snapped her a picture of me in, like, my sleep clothes and messy hair and no bra. Like, legit, just like, uh, and I said, I'm on my way. <laughs> I made it. I made it by 5 o'clock. Dang, dude. Yeah. Jeez. All I did was pee and put my bra on and come in to work. <laughs> <laughs> like, my toothbrush is lying on my desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, no makeup. I took last night's makeup off. Once I got here with a makeup wipe that I clutched in my little fist all the way here. Ooh, so, girl. It, so it would stay wet. <laughs> <laughs> so it wouldn't dry out on That's me. That's amazing. <laughs> I was like, I love oh, that. Fuck. I'm so late. That's mm. hilarious. Um, 
So I have two stories today. Fair okay. warning. But one's Ooh, super cool. short. Cool. It's my children. I love it. We're requesting stuff. Um, I had a dream last night. Okay, Christopher left on vacation yesterday morning. Ah! And so I, you were home alone by I yourself. I was home alone by myself, and I really don't like <laughs> sleeping alone anymore. Uh-huh. And so I was, like, anxious all, like, all night, and it took me forever to fall asleep. I had to take a Benadryl in order to fall asleep because mm. I wasn't about to go outside to my car and get my anxiety medicine. No. Because then I had to go outside in night. the dark. Uh-uh. <laughs> I was like, no. So I was like, you know, I'll just take a Benadryl. Pass out that way. I finally, I did finally fall asleep. But when I take, I just have weird dreams as mm-hmm. it begins. I had a dream last night that I got arrested because my brother and I, in my dream, we played hide and seek. Mm-hmm. And there was one, like, in the neighborhood that they live in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, somebody called the police. This So I got, like, arrested, like, a week later. Okay? Okay. So the a week prior, we play hide and seek in the, in the neighborhood that they live in. And I, like, touched something mm-hmm. and, like, left fingerprints. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I was in some. I wasn't in somebody's house. I just like maybe like touched their like touched their house like backed up against the wall or something. I don't oh. remember the specifics mm. of it. And then a week later, the police show up and they arrest me because my fingerprints are on this person's house. Circumstantial they, evidence. Yeah, got and you I was in like, dream? I was like, what? And so I spent a good chunk of my dream like fighting, fighting for my Justice. freedom. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. my God. What is happening? Did I help you at all in your dream? It was just my brother. What and my the co- fuck? My cousin and my godson, who I haven't seen in, like, years. Oh, my God. And I was, was like— Was your brother any help? No, not really. Fucking kids. Not I'm really. Fine. I don't remember him being any help. My mom was there. Okay. And she tried. All right. I eventually got out because at the end I was, like, just— Vindicated? Yeah. Well, that's like, good. Just doing stuff outside of jail. <laughs> I was like, okay, that was weird. Mm. Strange. It's a strange dream. That is strange. Yeah. And then I, and so now I know I'm not going to take Benadryl tonight. I'm going to bring my anxiety medicine inside with me. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I don't know what, my like, word. where that came from. It's a strange, strange life. I was really, I worked late last night. Um, I took a—so I took. I went home a little early in the middle of the day and took a couple of hours before I had to work late. Mm-hmm. But during those couple of hours, I just fucking ran my kids here and there. Yeah. It That's wasn't my whole like a life. couple hours to yourself. Yeah. Um, at one—so when I left early, I pulled into my alley, and it's a business alley. Mm-hmm. So sometimes there's just, like, trucks unloading in it, and I'm yeah. like, fuck. So there was just a car sitting there, and I was like— Fuck. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't unloading shit. It was just sitting there. Yeah. So I go to back out. But this guy, before I can back out, pulls up next to me on his bike. And he, like, sticks, like, leans. Because I have my windows down. I'm a windows person. I hate yeah. to use the air. He, like, leans in my car window. Mm. And is like, hey, you're home early. And I was like, what's Ugh. that? Like, a, my music's blaring. I'm by myself. Yeah. And I turn my radio down. And he's like, yeah, you work over at I see you leave every day, and you live right up there. But you're home early today. Ugh. And I was like, yeah. Uh, and I was like, yeah. I don't like that. And it's, he was, like, nice. 
Yeah. Even if you see somebody mm-hmm. and you know, like, oh, they must work there. Oh, they must live there. Don't tell them. Yeah. Don't tell them you know where they work. Because I felt stalked. And especially don't tell them you know where they live. What time I get off. And what time. Yeah, that's. I Right? I don't like that. I feel creeped the fuck out. Yeah. Patrick Snapchatted me. You Snapchatted me that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I responded and I was like, I would, I would punch him. I feel like I would want to punch him, and I also would just cry. Yes. I felt so, like— I'd feel so defensive. Yeah. And I'd also just feel so scared. Yeah. And I—that's how I felt like that. And I'm like— I that. I was—I didn't—I was so freaked out about it. Mm -hmm. He was like, I just want to say, hey, hey, can you stick your fucking head out of my car? And so I can—I was like, hey, and I just— like, high-tailed it out of that alley, like, in reverse. Mm-hmm. I was all the way, like, I passed two different entrances. <laughs> I was trying to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, Do you, did you recognize him? Like, kind of, him as, like, town? a person. Mm-hmm. Like, but there's so many, like, 20-something young yeah. men who work in that alley. Because there's, mm-hmm. like, four bars over there. You know, like, I live yeah. across from a bar. There's a bar whose back door is, like, my back door. That it could have been any of those kids. Yeah, there's so those much men, I guess. But where you live, that it could have been. Yeah, it could have literally been. I just didn't know. Yeah, you know, it freaked me uh, out. I'm I, freaked out. Yeah. I haven't told Amelia because I don't want her to be scared. But then I'm also on the fence. Like, should I warn them? Right. And I had to work late last night. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was daylight when I got home still because it's summer, but. I didn't want to leave. Yeah, but the, I didn't want to leave. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to leave the kids there at so night. You need to carry your never get murdered cat. I need what to pass them called? out to the kids. Yeah, yeah. Don't get got kitty cat rings. Yep. If that's not what the name of those are, that's what they should be called. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think they're just like self defense rings or something. I don't know. I don't remember. No, neither. Um, that's scary. That I don't like that. Though. I'm surprised I didn't have a dream about it, but I don't dream anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sounded so sad. I don't dream anymore. <laughs> I used to have like multiple recurring dreams and like really remember my dreams, and mm-hmm. it was like a nightly thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for that bullshit anymore. <laughs> I don't have as many as I used to, but yeah, I think it just fades as you every get older. Once in a while, there's one that I'm like, oh, that's a good one. You was, had a good one. That was strange. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was good. It was a yeah. good dream. It was just so weird, and so it was one of those really vivid ones. Mm-hmm. So weird. Crazy. Hey, um, who yeah. is the YouTuber <clears throat> that does the conspiracy <clears throat> stuff? Um, because my kids keep giving me stories about conspiracy crap. Mm-hmm. And every time they have an idea, this YouTuber goes, what's up, you guys? Yes. And so every time they have an idea, they say, they it. say it. I don't, I, I you know, know the phrase, t- but you, I can't. I, don't I can see name. his face, but I don't know his name. What's up, you guys? Yes. And I love it. I love when they say that. What's up, you guys? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I don't know. I can't, oh. I can't tell you who it is. But anyway. And um, then the kid that we picked up today, because I'm, I'm just like, a, I, all I do is pick kids up. Yeah. And now Amelia's like, hey, can you pick my friend up? I fucking guess. <laughs> this kid had an office, some office weird shit to ask about in the car. He's like, because he's obsessed with the office. And I mm-hmm. wanted to get... Harrison's opinion. opinion on it, but I'll ask yours. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Um, when Michael is showing 
um, David Wallace, and he's the new CEO at that point. Mm-hmm. That like little video of Scranton, mm-hmm. um, like he was supposed to like do a report, a presentation about their numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But instead, he shows the fucking video. Mm-hmm. Um, that's stupid, and we love it. He says Stanley Hudson, father of two, but we only ever hear or about meet his daughter. his daughter for the whole rest of the series. Huh. Yeah. And then um, Angela's husband, the senator, uh-huh. his, he brings his son to that corn maze. That's how they meet. Where does son go? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. His wife died and he has the son. And Yeah. Where did that kid go? Because we only hear about Philip. No, it makes me want to go back and watch The Office. Again. I know. I want to see. Hmm. Maybe the Scranton Strangler got him. Ooh. Toby. Maybe. <sighs> uh, this is all fair with Emily and Patra. Oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> um, That's all. I'm going to see a sidekick tomorrow. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about the sidekick. Oh, my gosh. I forgot. Yeah. So I'm going after we record this, but before this comes out. So the next episode... You'll get an update. Oh my and I'm god! So excited! I was I'm telling, so excited. I was telling Patrick yesterday that like one of the podcasts I've been listening to has done like a lot of not like spiritual things. Like she's she had her sidekick on spooky stuff, and they went over. And then like in another episode, they went over like crystals. And in another episode, how do you feel about crystals? I mean, I'm open to it. I don't. Right. Care. I don't like. I don't have any. But, mm-hmm. like, I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. But, and then there was another one that, like, they were talking about, medi- like, meditation and just, mm-hmm. like, that like that kind of stuff. And I was thinking, I was like, I've always wanted to go to a psychic. But, mm-hmm. like, excuse me. It's just, it's not one of the things that, A, that I was really raised on. Right. And, B, nobody really ever wanted to go with me. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, just never did it. And then... So I listened to these episodes and I'm like, I just got, I got to do it. And I was like, I'll figure, I'll go sometime in the near future. And then that afternoon, because I listen to the podcast on my, I listen on my way into work mm-hmm. and on my way home. So on my way home, I've either never seen them uh-huh. or have they'd like just put them there or whatever. But you know, like the stupid yard signs that like advertise. Yeah. So-and-so buys houses and, oh, yeah. you know, like that kind of stuff. I saw three. For three separate psychics oh, on my way home. And I was like, That's a Oof. sign. Yeah. And I was like, oh. So <laughs> since Christopher's on vacation, and I don't have to explain to him w- why I'm coming home late. <laughs> <laughs> I scheduled. I, like you're cheating on him. I know, right? What? I scheduled the reading for. A psychic. The, tomorrow, Friday. And I'm going to go. I'm going to go by myself. And I'm just going to. I don't have anything that like I need to know. I was mm-hmm. telling you yesterday that, like, no, I don't have anybody in my family that's, like, passed over. My grandpa did, but we weren't close. Mm-hmm. And so there's nobody that I'm, like, dying to talk to. And there's there's no, like, big pressing question that mm-hmm. I'm, like, trying to find out the answer to or whatever. I'm just going to go mm-hmm. and just see what happens. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm, like, all, I'm nervous in the sense that, like, obviously it's, like, fear, not fear. I'm not scared. But, like. Trepidatious. The unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm kind of trepidatious you can be a little about bit scared. the unknown and a little scared of, like, wh- what? if he says, 
Because what if he says something that doesn't match your life and you're yeah, like, that's what if, not what if for they're me. like, you're—I don't even know. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little cautious and kind of nervous for that because I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so but excited. I'm also just so, so, so excited. Okay. So when Emily told me first that she was going to go to a psychic, I was like, I'm fucking pumped for her, first of all. Yeah. <clears throat> Second, I've been to a psychic. I was like, okay, I'll tell you when we record my mm-hmm. psychic story. Okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. So I'm in this Facebook group with um, some crazy-ass ladies. Mm-hmm. And I'm not super active in that group any longer. But when we first all joined together, it was just like local ladies and with the same kind of interests, which were like um, uh, being like positive about your bodies and Mm-hmm. Just like kind of like hipster bullshitty women. How's that? Yeah. Okay. Just to be <laughs> just to be completely honest with you about I it. I love it. Um, it's mainly a bunch of women who live in Indianapolis and then a few of us down here. Mm-hmm. So the few of us down here include Brittany. Okay. So I went with our now boss mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple of years ago and I didn't work here yet. Mm-hmm. And I had been let go from another job that I really loved. And was passionate about and was upset. Um, And it was in between finding, like, I I had kind of found a part-time job, but it wasn't what I was, you know, it was going to end. It was temporary. Mm -hmm. And so I went, and the guy, it was like a party. We all got, like, a 10-minute reading. Some of those women were really, some of those women were Crystal's women Mm -hmm. and really into it. I was kind of like, that's cool. And used it as, I was just at a party, so I ate and drank and went home. Right. He told me that my job situation would work out, not to worry about it, that monetarily I was going to come out even. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I did. So I was like, hey, cool. Okay. But to be honest, monetarily, I was going to make that shit work anyway because that's how I am. Mm -hmm. I will do whatever Mm -hmm. to make it work. Anyway, um, Amelia, that was like over the summer. Amelia's birthday was in September and she wanted to go to a psychic. So I was like, hey. I'll get a hold of this guy because he was, like, a younger guy, and I felt thought she'd be comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went in September, and I had been working at the station for about a month, six weeks. And mm-hmm. I mentioned to him, I was like, oh, yeah, you, my job situation did work out about the same as what you said. And he was like, great. And then Amelia had her stuff, which was kind of non-whatever. Mm-hmm. So here comes mine because mm-hmm. I got her a reading, her friend a reading, and then I got one too. Mm-hmm. He said that he saw lots of cameras and picture taking in my future, like big cameras, like there's lights on you, like the spotlights on you. And I was like, okay. Maybe, mm-hmm. I was like, maybe he saw on my Facebook page that I got a job at a radio station. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at that point, I was just doing the morning show and not much else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he also said, and he apologized first. Yeah. Sorry if you don't want to hear this, mm-hmm. but, um, a man is going to enter your life and he's like, it's going to change your life. Things are going to be different for you. Um, it might be like a struggle. It might be tense and whatever. And he just kept like apologizing because it wasn't going to be wonderful and easy for me. Mm-hmm. But... He it was going it was going to work out. Eventually it would be. Yeah. Like eventually I would be happy, but it was gonna be some turmoil. And it had to do with a man with a big beard. And he went He did not know. Emily, he God. said <laughs> he said with a big beard. And he did the like Yeah, like he the, hand like, motioned. Yeah. It. And I was like, 
okay, you know, yeah. this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And I was, I didn't want to say that to Amelia because she's really into it. And mm-hmm. it was like for her birthday. So I wasn't trying to be like a downer. And I was like, right. I feel like he gave me somebody else's reading. LOL. Yeah. Went home, told my husband about it, mm-hmm. who didn't give a shit. And I was like, uh-huh. Uh, within six months, I was separated. Mm-hmm. And now I am seeing someone with a big beard. Ooh, yeah, I know. I know. And I don't even believe in psychics. Like, I to know. be honest with you, I, I just know. feel like it's bullshit. But I love, like, yeah, I've definitely had a lot of cameras on me in the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. A lot of pictures. And, like— The spotlight, I guess. Yeah, it's been, like, not even necessarily, like, spotlights and big cameras and that kind of stuff. But you've been— there's been a lot of focus a lot on of, you, whether yeah. it's yourself or other people. There's been a lot of focus on Patra. Yeah. That's so, I just, like, I got chills. I mean. Like, I'm, we've talked about this with ghost hunting stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm open to it. Right. I don't, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, 100%. I believe that. You know, yeah. because I've never, n- I've never experienced it. Mm-hmm. But, like, and, like, I'm open to what's going to happen tomorrow, mm-hmm. whether or not I'll completely believe it. Until six mm-hmm. months down the line, whatever, down the line. So, yeah. And I kind of have—I had forgotten about it until mm-hmm. you mentioned that you were going to a psychic. And I was like, oh. so I had to tell Joe right away yeah. because his beard is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so soft and it always smells good. Aww. And he doesn't mind when I put my fingers through it. Yeah. He kind of lifts his chin up like he's, he's like, a cat. Oh. You yeah. know, like when you stroke a cat on their <laughs> chin, he definitely makes that, that motion. <laughs> and I love it. So, yeah, that beard's definitely changed my life. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. So, yeah, I'm, like, super excited. Plus, I get to see Patra on Saturday for Tame the Terrain, and I get to tell her all about it. We got four and a half miles to spend together. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. I also had a dream last night that I broke something on Saturday. So, I'm not— Of your body? Yeah, like, I don't—it wasn't clear of what I— hurt, mm-hmm. but, like, I hurt something. Okay, <laughs> so I just want you to, to be know. extra careful on Saturday. I will carry you out of any situation, <laughs> number one. Number two, Brittany's husband, who's doing it with us, we're kind of short, so don't make it sure it's an arm. I know, right? <laughs> make sure it's something <laughs> that sure I can walk out myself you got, with. You, you walk, <laughs> because yeah. I was carrying Joe's son around on my back the other day, and when I went to drop him, he goes, you're so small. That was like barely any He's drop. Like, and I was like, like you're I'm welcome. standing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh, are you ready? Here you go. And yeah. I let him down. He goes, oh. oh. <laughs> like, yeah, so I have to be extra careful on Saturday because I've like. You're how tall? 5'7". I'm 5 foot. Yeah. I'm 5 foot. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm really excited for tomorrow and Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do a damn thing on Sunday. Mm-mm. Like, Saturday when I get home, I'm going to shower, and, like, I'm going to sit my ass on the couch, and I'm not going to move until Monday morning. Yeah. (laughs) Essentially. Yeah. That's the plan, baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to get home, make quesadilla for dinner or something. Mm -hmm. I found some—they're pretty much almost carb-free— Tortillas. Tortillas. Those so aren't I'm so bad, no. right? Yeah. So I'm so excited. <laughs> so excited. That's what I—when we had carnitas last week, mm-hmm. that's what I had, like, as my shell. I had those, and they were so good. So do you do you ever do the lettuce instead? Yeah. I do—I did like that when I was doing FXB. I did a lot of um, Just like lettuce taco, wrap type taco of thing. flavored chicken meat, lettuce. Yeah. 
But I like I'm allowed. I was allowed carbs, so right. I did a lot of black beans and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I love carbs as I Me eat too. my cracker. <laughs> <laughs> so it was whole grain. Mm-hmm. You're right. So I'm gonna whole wheat. eat a quesadilla for dinner and just watch TV until it's time to go shower and go to bed. It's like when someone's with you all the time. It's like a little treat to get some time alone. Mm-hmm. But if that was your whole life, how sad would it be? Yeah. Wouldn't you be sad? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd be very sad. I don't, like, I texted Christopher earlier, and I was like, it took me for, I, he, we asked how each other slept last night, and, like, I felt, I've slept good once I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. It's like, it took me forever. I was like, I missed your breathing. And he's like, what? Yeah. Like, just, like, I was like, it's quiet. It was quiet. Not having you next to me, not having you next to me breathing. And it's not like he's allowed, every once in a while he'll snore, but it's very, like, quiet it's mm-hmm. not obnoxious but I, it was i was like it was so quiet not you having like you it. next to me just breathing it's like having the fan on yeah and even though i sleep with the fan on we sleep with the mm-hmm. air purifier on for his allergies and so there's white noise and i was just like it's, it's not it's like the right combination quiet. yeah <laughs> so and yeah. then he said i missed your hot feet <laughs> Aww. because he's been complaining the past couple of nights that i've been too i've been too hot even though, like, I'm fine and I'm, like, wrapped up in a blanket and comfortable and almost even cold. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're so hot. That's me all the time. Like, no one, but, yeah, I was like, I don't I don't like sleeping without him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it'll be less, the first night, it was the same last year when he went on vacation. It's like the first night's really hard. And then towards the end, it's like, it's obviously easier to sleep by myself. But mm-hmm. it's like, I was, like, laying in bed thinking all the possible. Uh, excuse me, possibilities. I was like, I just go lay on the couch with the cats. <laughs> I was like, but with then the, the light's too bright mm-hmm. from outside. It's like, I can let the cats in here. But then I have to worry about, A, them wanting out at 3 o'clock in the morning, or B, them getting into something. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I guess I'll, just, guess I'll <laughs> just do what I normally do, except <laughs> alone. Yeah. Thanks, Christopher. Yeah. How's vacation? I'm just kidding. We're okay. we're happy. We like him. I like him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. That's nice. It is nice. It's nice to like the person you're with. Mm-hmm. I just realized it. <laughs> I, I really like him. I just Aww. like him as a human. Aww. Not even just as a boyfriend. Even though we argued about the pool the That's two okay. days before he left. That's all right. <laughs> Me and Joe haven't argued yet. This is the this is like the second time we've argued. Okay. And you guys are in deep in it. Almost Three. With my ex-husband, it was like almost four years. We argued all the time, so I, I, yeah, I'm like a little like we grew up together, mm-hmm. so I'm like mm, I don't know every single thing about Joe, and we don't argue, so this is probably not even a real relationship. It's an imposter. <laughs> it's an imposter. <laughs> um, yeah, we argued. My, it was like a year after we had started dating. We mm. almost broke up. Oh my like god! We like, what was it about? I don't even. I don't even remember. I'm so glad you didn't break I up. I don't even remember, but we almost broke up. And then this past one, like this one, was the next like heated one. Mm-hmm. We obviously you, like, didn't almost break up. Over where you it, get like a little? Where I you just, get like snippy? Yeah, I got snippy and rude. Mm-hmm. And I apologized twelve hundred times <laughs> after the fact. See, I love you. That one was, I was a little shitty toward him. Sorry, babe. Did he deserve it? 
Not really. Oh shit. He doesn't deserve. He doesn't deserve to be yelled at. He's such a good guy. No, Emily. <laughs> I was. We were. So we were arguing. Your about, hormones are changing. Yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> so we were arguing about the pool not being open mm-hmm. because, well, first, so last year was our first year with the pool, and mm-hmm. we had it open for. So check my email for the Indy 500 because mm. that was like the first weekend we spent in there. That's when you normally do it. Yeah, like Memorial Day weekend to Labor Day weekend is like the typical pool season, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, it's fine. You don't have to have it open for the Indy 500. It's supposed to rain, whatever. And then I was like, can you? Can we at least like have it done for when you go on vacation mm-hmm. so I can use it <laughs> so I can have something else to occupy right. my You're time? You're going on vacation. Can I use the pool? Yeah, and it's like, and we had this discussion like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. In enough time to have the pool situation figured out. And granted, we had a little throwback with the billions of tadpoles in our pool. Oh, my God. When you murdered all those tadpoles. I know. Remember that? Yeah. I do remember that. I do, too. It was sad. Um, But so we had a little throwback with that. But then it was like it was literally two days before. So Monday night. We were talking about the pool and all this stuff. And, like, over the weekend, we had gotten the pump already. And or it was, like, two weekends ago, we had gotten the pump already. We had, got like, gotten it ready to go, cleared out and stuff. And we were talking about it. And I was, like, okay, we need to, like, vacuum it. We need to fill it up because mm-hmm. it's only half full. And he's, like, I'm not going to do that. And I was, like, what do you mean? I was, like, mm-hmm. I'm not getting in there. Like, pool, like. Bodies of water gross me out if I can't see them, like, see through them, and they're not, like, crystal clear, essentially. And I was, like, I was—we just got into an argument. I was, like, you said you'd have it ready. And, like, I'm just—I just had my hopes up, and then I took—just—it was that day. Like, right now, it's, like, it's not fucking ready. Calm down. Right. (laughs) I'm, like, what are you doing? And it's—I mean, it's— it's like 60 degrees today. I know. And say, I know. It's like, yeah, it's so cold today. So oh, definitely God. wouldn't be in the pool today. But it was just like, you know, mm-hmm. like you said you'd have it done. You didn't. And you fucking didn't. And I was just like, I just need to calm down. <laughs> so Aww. I went back. I was like, I'm sorry I yelled at you, especially right before you go on vacation. Like, I don't want to argue with you regardless. Mm. So sorry. Love you. Hey, she's sorry, dude. <laughs> she's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, goodness gracious. Gosh. Um, yeah. Hey. Yeah. So my story is not all about murder. Mm-hmm. So I have a little quickie murder for you. Okay. So I'll do my little quickie murder before you do your actual story. Okay. And this is by special request. Okay. From my son. And it is so short. All oh, right. my gosh. Okay. <clears throat> Love it. See? This is all of it. Just that one page? Yeah. Because it's, it's really quick. Okay. Okay. So... Um, In 1998, this family, like a young girl, she was 20, her name was Jamie Ingle King, um, and she lived in Seymour. Okay. Her two children, Jessica, two, and Brandon, one, and a friend named Amanda, who was 12. Were you ever, did you ever, as like a 12-year-old, have like an older woman who kind of probably was a young mom and... My sister-in-law was that woman for me. I went and hung out with her, with her kids when I was young. I didn't have, like, there wasn't anybody that was older that was a mom, but I definitely had, like, like one or two older, Mm -hmm. like, cousins, friends. Yeah. Or, or, like, people that I looked up to that I was, I wasn't, like, super close with. But, yeah. 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 Kind of that situation. So I would go spend the night with my sister-in-law, even though my age didn't match up with hers or her kids. We still got along, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was this situation um, named Amanda. They were um, 
lasting alive during a camping trip in Bartholomew County in 98, and they were later found in shallow graves along the nearby White River. In 2003, the Indiana Supreme Court um, overturned the conviction from their first trial. The person convicted was a man named Robert Bassett Jr. Um, In 2006, he was um, eventually sentenced to life for life sentences for the deaths of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, prosecutors said that Robert Bassett Jr. had raped Jamie Ingle King, 20, and uh, murdered her, her children, and um, unfortunately Amanda Davis, just like by circumstance because she was there, oh because gosh. Jamie had become pregnant with his child. Um, so they were missing for like a month. Mm-hmm. Robert Bassett Jr., is my son's best friend's uncle. Oh my god. I know. And I I wanted I printed his picture out for you. Oh my god. Robert Bassett Jr.'s picture. Um because here is oh, I just looked him up too. Here is my son's best friend Caleb with Robert's brother. <gasps> Oh, my God. I know. Look how fucking similar they look. Ugh. And I just spent the night with Caleb in Chicago. This poor, sweet little. He's not sweet. He talks about murder all the time. I know it's just a joke, but Ivan always jokes that Caleb likes murder. Caleb likes horror movies. His mom made a joke because uh, I said we're going to kid swap because um, Caleb doesn't like to do shit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do anything. And Ivan, <laughs> Ivan, he's kind of that way, but if you're out doing stuff, he's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, let me see the map. Let's go here, here, here. I want to do this stuff. Yeah. He's that kind of kid. Caleb doesn't want to do it. He'll do stuff if he's already doing, like, yeah. an activity. Yeah. And I jokingly <sighs> said, we'll swap. And I was like, Caleb, you'll be doing everything. I'll be like, look at that. Look at that. And his mom goes, and then Ivan will be out playing and playing with knives in the woods. <gasps> Oh, my God. And that reminded me that oh Ivan had requested that I look up Caleb's uncle, Robert Bassett. I was like, Ivan, you're fucking lying. He's like, no, Caleb's uncle is in prison for murder, Mom, I swear. Oh, my God. Yep. So. All right, that's it. That's it. Can't top that one. <laughs> I was like, Ivan. Oh, my God. And then when I saw a picture of him, I was like, <gasps> Ivan. Ivan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, my That's all. So just, I mean, Uncle Bob, Uncle Bobby murdered some. I have an Uncle Bob. Raped and murdered. My brother's named Bobby, and he's Uncle Bobby. Mm -hmm. Uncle Bobby used to push two trampolines together and let Amelia bounce from one to the other (laughs) and ride the four-wheeler without a freaking helmet. (laughs) Uncle Bobby. My Uncle Bob was a Michigan State police officer. And when I was little and hang, you know, I, I hung out at grandpa's all the time mm-hmm. and he called, I the, the most vivid memory I have of it is he called and I answered the phone and he said, is your grandpa there? He said, this is the state police. Ah! And I ran, I said, grandpa, the police are calling. Oh my God. He's like, it's your Uncle Bob. <laughs> I love that because it was true. Because I mean, he said it in his intimidating Yes. Yeah. So and his... Cop voice. Cop voice. Ooh. Yeah. I feel like your Uncle Bob would uh, arrest both of these Uncle Bobs. Yeah. 
Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Bob would be the one that put those Uncle Bobs in jail. Right? Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, he um, murdered, like, oh my gosh. I mean, a bunch of kids, basically. Yeah. bunch real, of kids. Yes. 12-year-old. That's how old Ivan and Caleb are, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and then some toddlers and then a 20-year-old woman who seems like a kid to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why you don't seem like a kid, but Harrison, he fucking does. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that Sorry. was it. That was really quick for Ivan, and it was local. Um, that was like his first conviction was overturned, and eventually they got him. They got him. Though. Yeah, mm. two thousand three, it was overturned. Two thousand six, it was My all wrapped up. Yeah, and this happened in ninety eight. So I was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember it at all. Mm. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah, like that. That's oh, good, good old, good old Caleb. <clears throat> Caleb likes the scary movies and playing with knives in the woods. Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh. <sighs> okay, we have talked forever. Okay. I'm so sorry. It's okay, I, I've barely seen you this week, right? Yeah, we don't well, see each I other. Was out on Monday, I was off on Monday, and we don't see each other anymore. <laughs> we don't talk anymore. I was just gonna do that, but you beat me to it. Is it? I'm going first, right? Yeah, baby. Okay. So this is the Carmel Triple Murder. Oh, my God! It's local. Um, I love it. Yeah. Around 1993, 22-year-old Kofi Ajabu and 21-year-old James Walls were fast friends after working at an Indianapolis Noble Romans. Mm, I love Noble Romans. I've never had it. What? Yeah. Sorry. What? (laughs) (laughs) Walls was an avid party host and only months before tragedy struck met Raymond Adams, a 27-year-old at the time. Their friendship grew, and Adams asked if he could move in with Walls at Tudor Lake Apartments. Walls agreed, and later during a party at the apartments, Ajibu was introduced to Adams. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing Kofi's name wrong, but... Can I see it? I'm pretty, that's pretty sure that's how, that's the last name. You're doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm sorry I spit on you. I wasn't even going to try it. You're doing great. <laughs> Uh, Ajibu and Walls had no record of any significant crimes. Walls' Walls arrest record was clean, and Ajibu's only prior incident with the law was an arrest for allegedly stealing a gun at a gun show the year prior, with a witness and Ajibu both maintaining that he just simply picked up the gun, immediately putting it down. Hmm. So they couldn't—I don't know that he was actually, like, like charged with anything. He right. was arrested for it, but I don't think, like, anything actually came of it. Uh, his father, Moja— was also the leader of the Black Panther militia. Hmm. So it's kind of a significant okay. type of crime, but he right. didn't have, like, any... Like, he was a good kid. Right. Um, in the article and stuff that I read, his mom and, like, his family were, like, he was a great kid and, mm-hmm. you know, stayed away and all that stuff. Adams, on the other hand, the 27-year-old, had a long rap sheet, his first arrest occurring at 11 years old. Oh, Through adolescence, he'd been arrested on charges of burglary, check forgery, and credit card fraud. After meeting Walls and Adams on several occasions, Ajibu's father didn't care for them, becoming so uneasy that in the fall of 1993, he picked up Kofi from his mother's. Um, There's a lady referenced to as Jane. I'm pretty sure that's Kofi's mom. But it doesn't, in the article, it never, like, confirmed, like, his mom's name is Jane. Gotcha. Um, But the dad picked Kofi up from his mother's house so he could live with his father, uh, Moja, the dad, said, I needed access to his head. I didn't have a good feeling about those two. I said, son, you're flirting with a hurting. 
you know, I know, you know, like those are bad guys when your militia leader father is like, those are bad kids. You should probably not hang out with those kids. Like, jeez. In January of 1994, Walls told police that he was robbed while trying to make a cash deposit from his employer. Mm. The story mirrored one of Adam's favorite cons. Despite his two jobs, Walls failed to pay his failed to pay his rent, falling so far behind that he received an eviction notice. He was upset, and Adams began looking for ways to raise enough money to buy a house. In the evening of March 15, 1994, a mutual friend introduced Adams to 17-year-old Nick Alaminos. During, the, during his 30-minute visit, Adams sold Nick marijuana and learned that Nick's father was golfing in the Caribbean, Caribbean however you want to pronounce it, leaving Nick, <laughs> alone, leaving Nick alone at home with his 13-year-old sister, Lisa, and a 23-year-old friend and manager of George's hardware store named Chris James, who was staying at the house. The next night, Adams wanted to return to the Alaminos home, claiming a friend wanted to look at the bike that Nick was trying to sell. Nick agreed that Adam Nick agreed to Adams returning, despite being worried that he was dangerous due to him flashing a 10-inch knife, calling it his right-hand man the night prior. Jesus. Like. Okay. Uh. Chris packed the family friend that was there. Chris packed a 32 caliber thirty-two caliber revolver before Adam's arrival. Such a, that, like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that they were so intimidated by this guy. That, I know. At midnight on March 16th, Adams, Walls, and Ajibu arrived at the Alaminos home, and on March 17th, 1994, 17-year-old Nick Alaminos, 13-year-old Lisa Alaminos, and 23-year-old Chris James were found in the Alaminos home gagged, constrained with duct tape, and their throats slashed, and they were found by Nick's girlfriend. Uh, She went over to the home because Nick didn't pick her up from school for school that morning. So she got worried and went over there. Oh, my God. Uh, the, oh, I hate that. Yeah. The Alaminos family lived in the Thistlewood neighborhood, an area of Carmel, Indiana, that has since been annexed. It didn't take long for investigators to determine the horrific slaying was a result of a robbery gone bad. Police ended up arresting the three men for the crimes just 26 hours after the murders. Both Walls and Ajibu swear they had no idea that Adams would kill the victims. Walls says that he only knew Adams was... He only knew that Adams was going to rob the home and rough up Chris if necessary, presuming he knew the hardware store's safe combination and alarm code. Uh, Ajibu claims he thought the three of them were going to a party. (sighs) According to testimony, neither Ajibu or Walls behaved like horrified spectators, though. This is... Okay, this is is bad. I made a a note that says this is bad. (laughs) Oh, God, I love you. Uh, Walls said that if you're... um, kind of squeamish, you might want to, like, skip ahead 15 seconds. Uh, Walls said that when Adams thrust his knee into Chris's back, cradled his chin, and pulled backward in an attempt to break his back, Adams, or Walls simply walked out of the room so he wouldn't have to watch. Ah. And later, when he saw Chris bleeding to death on the floor, he did nothing to help. Mm. I Yeah, I, like, read that, and I was like, do I write it? Do I not? Yeah. But it's kind of like, (laughs) <laughs> it's a yeah. You kind of have to put it in there so you know that he like walked away. Ugh, I don't like that. Mm-mm. Um, how the uh, like how fucked up in the head do you have to be to like think of that? I know, Ugh. I know. Yeah, both Walls and Ajibu admit they carried some electronics and other belongings from the home, loading it into the vehicles at the same time that Adams was in the house inside the house killing the victims. Adams pled guilty after being accused by the other defendants for independently planning and carrying out the murders. 
Walls and Ajibu were convicted of murder at trial and sentenced to life in prison. George Alaminos, Nick and Lisa's father, continued to live in the Thistlewood home for three years after the murders, oh. saying, quote, It's just a home with bricks and sticks. I needed to live someplace. When it came time to sell the house, it took three different offers before one stuck because with the disclosures, people backed out. Oh. It took a long time to sell the house, but there was nothing spooky about the house at all. Uh, apparently, state law doesn't require a seller to disclose that a murder took place in the house unless the buyer asks. Yeah. So it's like, fuck. Like, I, I don't know if it's if it's just Indiana state law. I mean, obviously, it's Indiana state law for that. But I don't mm-hmm. know if it's just Indiana. But I feel like everybody is under the impression that, like, you have to disclose it. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not you ask. So, like— if that's something you're seriously concerned about, make sure you ask, because otherwise they might not have to tell oh my you. God. <laughs> um, George eventually moved to Colorado, but soon returned to the Indianapolis area. The hardware store he owned in northwest Indianapolis closed in 2003 after Lowe's opened a store nearby. Now retired, George splits his time between his Westfield home and Florida. Lita James, Chris's mother, lives in an Indianapolis senior living community where she is, when she's in Indiana. Uh, While devastated by the murders, Lita considers it a blessing that they occurred in Hamilton County because of the support she received from the investigators in the community. She said, quote, the whole thing brought out so much good in people. I still have a whole stack full of cars we received. It was a horrible, horrible thing. We also saw the good side of people. While it was a horrible, horrible thing, we also saw the good side of people. Of the three men convicted of the crime, Kofi Ajibu's trial received the most attention, in part because his father was the leader of the Black Panther militia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his father also made death threats against the prosecutors during his trial. Well, Dad, I don't think you're helping anybody's <laughs> situation here. Yeah. According to Ajibu's sister, Nzinga Harrison, the additional media attention instigated by her father led her brother to be vilified for actions beyond his control. Mm-hmm. Prior to the murders, Ajibu didn't have any felonies on his adult criminal record and was a college student at Jackson State University in Mississippi. The only defendant permitted to, oh, the only defendant permitted to to directly appeal his conviction, Ajibu lost all of his appeals and is preparing to petition the governor for clemency. As of March 11th of this year, Ajibu's sister had collected over 4,800 signatures on the online petitions she started through Change.org to gather to gather support for Ajibu's clemency request. Uh, Ajibu refused to accept a plea that would possibly have led to his release by now, according to his family, because he refused to admit to murders he said he did not commit. The law, however, allowed Ajibu to be charged with murder because of his role as an accomplice. Raymond Adams, he, oh, this quote, Raymond Adams pulled a gun on me, and it was my expectation that I would die as well, said Ajibu. Apparently, he chose otherwise. Apparently, he chose to drag me to prison with, to prison with him, which is, in its own way, possibly worse. Ajibu's at the Wabash Valley Correctional Facility south of Terre Haute and has earned a general studies degree from Ball State. George Alamino says that he believes the governor would reject clemency for Ajibu and that he and his co-defendants are where they belong. Lita agrees, hoping the governor won't give Ajibu a second chance at freedom, but personally hopes that she will one day be able to forgive him and his co-defendants. She seems like a very nice lady. Mm. Ajibu, who says he's learned to be much more careful about choosing friends, offered an apology to the victim's family, saying, quote, I'm so sorry that happened to you, although I'm not the person who actually did it. I should have never been there. I was misled, but that's not a good excuse. If nothing else, the fault is mine because I didn't limit my associations, and I'd like to say I'm sorry. Bill McAllister, a private—I know a Bill McAllister from back home, and he's a firefighter. Oh. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. 
Bill McAllister, yeah, a private investigator hired by the defense, says an apology is not enough and that, quote, if Governor Holcomb is dumb enough to give him clemency, there's no justice in Indiana. Damn. <laughs> Feels very strongly. Yeah. Every year, George and Bill get together to celebrate their shared birthday and have been close for 25 years, chatting on the phone a couple times a week, enjoying meals together on occasion, but it's a friendship they never wished had happened. Oh. Uh, Kofi Ajibu is 46 and serving his life sentence at Wabash Correctional Facility after being convicted of murder, criminal confinement, robbery, and burglary. James Walls is 45, serving his life sentence at Wabash Correctional Facility for the same thing. Raymond Adams is, fi- is currently 50 and serving his life, sen- life sentence at Indiana State Prison after pleading guilty to murder. The Indianapolis Monthly hosts their crime files on their website and in an article from April of 1995, they highlight the memorial and memories of the victims. So the rest of this is a giant quote from that article. Okay. So more than, a, more than a year later, loved ones still have trouble accepting the loss of Lisa and Nick Alaminos and Chris James. But those who remember them not but those who remember them talk not about how they died, but how they lived. No one speaks of Lisa without mentioning her smile. She lit up a room. She lit up the room, says Bill Baker, her Carmel Junior High School science teacher. An honor student, she participated in Girl Scouts track, cross-country, and a non-denominational Christian youth group. Three years before her death, she began taking violin lessons and developed an immediate love affair with the instrument. Lisa would practice a half hour every day after school, despite a joint problem that caused her fingers to swell up and throb with pain. While I was taking roll call, she would rub ice packs on her hands, recalls Baker, but she never complained about it. The pain paid off, however. A month before she died, Lisa won first place for a violin solo at a regional contest. Nick was an A student who planned to major in pre-med at Hanover College, served on Carmel High School's student council, acted in two school plays, did his own radio show on Carmel's 24-hour FM station. An intense individual, he could be opinionated, says says teacher Mark Shoup, who still remembers the day Nick walked into his office after reading a book that Shoup had recommended. He threw the book at me and said, Mr. Shoup, this is trash, Ah! the teacher says. But Shoup more than redeemed himself when he placed a copy of Gary Paulson's Eastern Sun, Winter Mood, into Nick's hands. Enraptured by by Paulson's prose, Nick devoured more than a dozen of the author's books. When Paulson came to Indianapolis to speak last spring, just a month after after the murders, he was told about Nick's admiration for his writing. Paulson was so touched that he announced that he would dedicate his new book, Father Water, Mother Woods, to Nick's memory. More than anything, Chris James enjoyed fishing trips in Canada that he took each summer with his father and a group of mutual friends. But a cloud hung over the 1989 outing because three of the elder members of their contingent had passed away during the previous year. So James and a friend climbed into a canoe, paddled to a large rock in the center of the lake, and attached a small brass plaque bearing praise for the three men. Uh-huh. Last summer, his fishing group made it made its annual pilgrimage to Canada, but before first hook before the first hook hit the water, a couple of the men paddled out to the large rock in the middle of the lake, this time in honor of Chris. They added a second plaque directly below the first, saying, quote, Sometimes we cry because we miss him, but we will always smile because we knew him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's the Carmel Triple Murders that happened in 1994. So do you—how th- do you feel? Do you think—do you think— I What do you think? What's your opinion? I definitely think that Raymond Adams did it. Mm-hmm. Do you think the, the other boys—do <sighs> you think he was wrong place, wrong time? Yeah. 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 I think both of them were wrong place, wrong yeah. time. And they just didn't know how to handle— how to handle the situation, like, the situation. Mm-hmm. Like— to be honest, like, I would like to think that a lot of us, if 
God forbid we were in that situation, a lot of us would walk, like, just walk away right. and be like, no, 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 no. Like, shoot me, do whatever you got to do. I'm not any part of this. But your self-preservation kicks but, in. But, yeah, your fight or flight response kicks in. And if you're not going to flight, you're going to fight and you're going to be like, I'll do whatever it takes to stay alive, man. Yeah. Especially so. if you just saw someone get killed in front of you. Yeah. It's hard to stand up to that guy that, that mm-hmm. just did it. Who's killing. Six years older than you. Yeah. Yeah. And it has, like, this gnarly list of... Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus. That I think, was a good one. I think the two, they are guilty, but I think they were in the wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Goodness. Mm-hmm. All right. This one... So, Ivan requested that... I, unfortunately, I didn't have a ton of info on mm-hmm. Caleb's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Amelia and Ivan have both been after me to do this one, just like Elisa Lamb. Mm-hmm. My, I like my burps are inside. Yeah. I have papaw burps. <laughs> my burps are like meaty. <laughs> I got to keep them in there. Anyway. <clears throat> okay, we'll get started because it's like 2.30. I'm tired. I should go home. Yeah. Anyway. You can go home after you record this. <laughs> after I record this, I'll go home. <laughs> On March 8, 2014, Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 left uh, Kuala Lumpur, handed for, headed for Beijing. So, Amelia is obsessed mm-hmm. with this. Okay. What happened to it? Where to go? Oh, all these theories. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them. So, she she sent me a few links, and some of them, it was just complete bullshit garbage. <laughs> I'm glad you're doing this, because, like, obviously I know about it, but I don't, I'm, you know. Okay. Are you ready? can't wait to hear all about it. Okay. Uh, Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 was operated with a Boeing 777-2H6ER. Woo. It was the 404th Boeing 777 produced and was first flown on May 14th, 2002. So it was what, 12 years old? Yeah. The crew of the flight um, last communicated with Air traffic control approximately 38 minutes after takeoff when it was over the South China Sea. The plane was lost from radar screens minutes later, but was tracked by military radar for another hour as it deviated west from its planned flight path. Malaysia Airlines issued a statement to the media about one hour after the scheduled arrival time of the flight at Beijing, saying that communication with the flight had been lost. Um... And that the government had initiated search and rescue operations. They said, at first, they say that communications had been lost at 240, and then they go back and say 140. I think that has something to do with the military tracking them. Mm. They're like, oh, we tracked them until 240. And then they're like, wait, the military tracked them until 240. We tracked them until 140. Gotcha. Um, Neither the crew nor the aircraft's communication systems relayed a distress signal indicating bad weather or technical problems before the aircraft vanished from radar. So nothing was heard from them saying, ah, they just just blipped out of the universe. Uh, Media reported several sightings of an aircraft fitting the description of Flight 370, including on March 19, 2014, CNN reported that witnesses including fishermen, an oil rig worker, and people in the Maldives saw the missing airliner. So a fisherman claimed to have seen an unusually low-flying plane off the coast of Kota Baru. Sure. Okay. And the oil rig worker, 186 miles southeast of Vung Tau, mm-hmm. 
claimed he saw a burning object in the sky that morning. Oh, my gosh. A claim credible enough for the Vietnamese authorities to send a search and rescue mission. So they believe this dude. Mm-hmm. And an Indonesian fisherman reported witnessing an aircraft crash near Malacca Straits. I don't know about that. Two days later, the Daily Mail reported that a Malaysian woman on a flight across the Indian Ocean claimed to have seen an aircraft in the water. Okay. Okay. Um, on the day that the Flight 370 disappeared. Three months later, the Daily Telegraph reports that a British woman sailing in the Indian Ocean claimed to have seen an aircraft on fire. So, a couple mm-hmm. of fires, couple of we saw the planes. Mm-hmm. Several pieces of debris, I think three big ones and then like, few, like a handful of smaller items, um, confirmed to be from Flight 370 washed ashore in the Western Indian Ocean during 2015 and 2016. After a three-year search across, 46,000 square miles of ocean failed to locate the plane. The Joint Agency Coordination Center heading the operation ended their search January 2017. A second search launched uh, January 2018 by a private contractor also ended about six months later after not finding anything. Um, so here's the thing. I have seen lots of movies about plane crashes. Mm-hmm. Kind of my thing. <laughs> uh, only three big pieces and then like a few little handfuls of things. Doesn't seem like a lot to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, what is it? A whole bunch of like a cartoon item kept washing up. Remember that? Did we talk about that? Like a whole bunch of... Like stuffed squirtles. That's not it. But washed up because like oh yeah, tw- yeah, 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 yeah what yeah, was yeah. it? Oh, what were we talking fuck. about? What was it? What was it? Like a random ass cartoon toy. Was Boxes it? of it got it wasn't lost. Pikachu's was it? Was it Pikachu's? I felt that's it, what comes to mind, but I don't know if that's it feels Pokemon esque. That's why I said yeah. Squirtle. Anyway, but like eventually after twenty years, they've like got them all. Like waves bring you shit. That's yeah. just how. How it works. works. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they've gotten just like a few pieces of this thing in a, in years, like five years. <clears throat> okay. Investigators released a report on missing Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 on July 30th, 2017. The report suggested that the controls were likely deliberately manipulated to take it off course, but investigators were not able to determine why or who would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, all 12 crew members, two pilots, and 10 staff. Okay, so we're going to talk about how many people are on there? Like 239 people, Ugh. 238 people. Never seen from again, completely disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, 12 crew members, two pilots, and 10 cabin staff were Malaysian citizens. Okay, so we're going to talk about the folks on the plane. The pilot, 53-year-old Captain Zahari Ahmad Shah. He joined Malaysian Airlines as a cadet pilot in 1981, Shout out. That's what year I was born. <laughs> and after training and receiving his license, he became a second officer in 83. He was promoted to captain of Boeing 737 to 400 airliners in 1991. That doesn't mean shit to me, but maybe it does to somebody who knows about planes. Right. <laughs> uh, and captain of some other stuff. <laughs> in 1998, he was captain of the Boeing 777. He had been a... Type rating instructor and a type rating examiner since 2007. Captain Zahari had a total of 18,365 hours of flying experience. So he was. That's a lot. He's done it a bit. Yeah. 
Um, he knew what he was doing. Right? Like, he's been flying my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the co-pilot was 27-year-old First Officer Farik Abdul Hamid. He joined Malaysia Airlines as a cadet pilot in 2007. Flight 370 was his first training flight, and he was scheduled to be examined on his next flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, first Officer Farik had accumulated 2,700 hours of flying experience. Okay. 153 of the passengers were Chinese citizens. 38 were Malaysian citizens. Um, they were going to China from Malaysia. Okay. 20 of the passengers, 12 from Malaysia and 8 from China, were employees of the same company, Freescale Semi- Semiconductor, an American multinational corporation headquartered in Austin, Texas. It says, I looked this up, with design, research, and development manufacturing and sales operations in more than 75 locations in 19 countries. The company employed 17,000 people worldwide. Um, And then they were, like, bought out shortly after this flight, Mm. like, merged with another company. Okay. The remaining passengers were from 12 different countries, so, like, a handful of other people from other places. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this was five years ago. I actually, I wrote, okay, so this was five years ago. (laughs) Uh, and there's a lot of YouTube crap about it. That's how my kids know about it. Mm-hmm. And Amelia is 16, so at 11, this happened, and all these YouTube people started posting shit. So, whoo. Mm-hmm. There's a subreddit about it uh, that has over 11,000 members. Jesus. That is literally just our MH370. Like, it's just about this flight. Wow. Yeah. So clearly we're obsessed with it. And I mean, yeah. I looked at, I tried to find out why are we so obsessed with this specific flight. Basically, we're obsessed with plane crashes because we don't have any control over it. Because mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be up there. Right. Right? It's very, number one. It's very inhuman to be up there. So you unnatural fe- to be up there. Basically, you have like this guilty fear that <sighs> if it if your plane crashes, well, you kind of deserve it. Yeah. Because you weren't supposed to be in there in the first place. Okay, so I've got Five theories? Six? Oh. Six theories? Yeah. I'm so excited. Okay. <laughs> I just did a little dance. Every I'm so time, excited. Every time I wrote theory, I said, but that's just a theory. <laughs> a game theory in my head. Every time. My son is ruining me. It's okay. <laughs> theory number one. Um, Captain Zahari, the pilot of the flight, was the last voice to be heard before the plane vanished, leaving some to believe that he did it because he says he says bye to Kuala Lumpur Air Control by saying goodnight, Malaysian 370. Two minutes later, the plane's tracking system was shut down, and some say there was a reason. Like, he says bye, and then he shuts the tracking system off. Okay. That's what they're saying happened. Combined with a flight path across the Indian Ocean found on a plane simulator in his home— and the rumor that marriage problems were happening, they say maybe he did it. Maybe he committed suicide and brought all those people with him. It's okay. not the first time that would have happened. Right. We know that. Yeah. Um, however, investigation into the disappearance revealed that the captain and the co-pilot were healthy, happy, had no mental issues. So it could have just been coincidence, mm-hmm. you know. But— um, so he, at home, he had a simulator that, like, took him towards the direction they think the plane went. And, like, the, he had, like, a fake path set up on a simulator at home that would go this way. Mm-hmm. And he says goodbye. And that's it. That's all. So a bunch of people, a lot, think he did it. That he, okay. he was doing it to commit suicide. Is, I don't know if you go into this, but I got to ask it before I ask. forget about it. 
is the goodbye and then your flight number. Is that normal? Is Yeah. I think it was a little off. Okay. Because I don't know, like, obviously if you're flying from California, and I, I mean, I don't fucking know, but if you're flying from, like, California to New York, you're not, I feel mm-hmm. like you're not on the same, like, radio tower frequency. Right. So, so he, he just says, good night, Malaysian 370. So I bet it's, like, a little bit of 370 out. But yeah. his was weird. Good night. Mm. Yeah. I, I think wonder. it was just. If you're, if you're a pilot or a radio tower operator, <laughs> I really want to know. Right? Is good night is flight that, number, is that a normal thing? Or is that, is is that really just or is like, it normal? Yeah. Is okay. that just like a common, yeah. like, all right, we're good. Talk to you. In, all set. Talk to you when we're getting ready to land. 370 out. I don't know. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. No, good. <laughs> Theory number two, loss of cabin pressure. Okay, so one one theory was that the air pressure in the cabin um, depressurized and that the oxygen masks didn't work. Okay. Um, with the altitude the plane was being flown at, 35,000 feet, those on board would have had just 30 to 60 seconds before falling unconscious. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this could explain why no distress calls were made. Not from the cockpit, not from any passengers. Like, nobody used their cell phone to call anybody. And I feel like that's something that you probably wouldn't realize is happening. Right. Until, like, the last second. Like, second. Yeah, you're yeah. like, oh. Like, there's, like, zero time. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel. Okay, however, this has been a suggest—there was there has been a suggestion that the co-pilot did attempt to make a call after the tracking system was switched off. Meaning that this theory is unlikely. I don't know why they think that the co-pilot tried to make Hmm. a a distress call. They don't explain that. Okay. Okay, number three, hijacking, obviously. Mm -hmm. So um, they talk about remote hijacking a little bit. I'll go ahead and talk Mm -hmm. about that. Given the plane, given that it changed direction from its regular path, um, they must have been steering it manually. So... Uh, the pilots were ruled out of the disappearance. So was it hijackers that were on the plane? Says we cannot exclude the possibility of a third party or unlawful interference. Okay, Mm -hmm. so for the plane to be remotely hijacked, software would have had to been installed on the plane um, for someone to, like, take it over from outside and, like, fly it and crash it. Mm Mm-hmm. This software was not installed as far as they know. Right. Right? Because they haven't found anything from the plane except for, like, a couple of pieces. Um, So, but they just really don't think that that's plausible. I feel like if it was hijacked, it was a remote hijacking. Yeah. And what happened—why? Yeah. For what reason? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Battery explosion or mechanical failure. So, this is theory number four. There were more than two tons of lithium-ion batteries on board the aircraft in the cargo hold, alongside more than four tons of mangosteen fruit. Why was there so many batteries? I don't know why they have so many mangoes. Some feared juice from the fruit had leaked and come into contact with the batteries, triggering an explosion. Does mango fruit make batteries explode? I don't. Let's look up a mango fruit. It says mango fruit. Is, is that just a mango? I don't know. Let's look. Is, uh, has somebody tested that? <laughs> like, has somebody taken? It's just a mango. Has somebody taken a mango, squeezed it to juice on a battery? Poof. 
Oh, that was so rude of me. People are dead. Apparent, maybe. Maybe. Maybe they're not. Um, okay, so mangoes did it. Or mechanical failure causing the result to the plane to blow up. Because people claim to see it a burning plane. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That would that would give like substance to those who said that they saw fire. Yeah. Um both of these theories are like a no because this was a pretty extensively well taken care of plane. They didn't have mm-hmm. any security or not security, didn't have any um mechanical, mechanical issues. And the recovered debris did not show any sign of fire. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of important. Okay. Also, if somebody finds out that mangoes explode with batteries, let me know because I don't ever want to eat mangoes ever again. The mangoes didn't explode. The juice from the mangoes made the batteries explode. I know, but if the juice from the mangoes can make batteries explode, I think it's like <laughs> it's like the Coca Cola cleaning your toilet. You guys message her because I don't have time to talk about it. <laughs> tell her what. Tell her what we're talking about. Explain it to her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I love you. I'm just playing. I know. You know. I'm just kidding. Okay. Theory number five. The cover-up. And I put an exclamation point next to it. The cover-up. Perhaps the most widely circulated theory is that of a cover-up. Um, with all of today's technology, how could a plane vanish into thin air? Mm. Copied that. Okay. Most of it anyway. Uh, okay. The only explanation for, like— According to, like, Twitter and YouTubers. Mm-hmm. What's up, you guys? Yes. Um, <laughs> it was the CIA or Russians or the Chinese or Malaysians. One of those four. <laughs> or maybe all of them covering up the real reason for the disappearance. Okay. Uh, well, what's the real reason? Yeah. Assholes. They're covering it up. Uh, Malaysia's current prime minister, Mahat. Something Mohammed mm-hmm. has corroborated this theory, suggesting that American secret agents know where the plane is located. And in 2014, he said someone is hiding something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's the weird one. Okay, so here's just a weird one. Amelia sent me one that I don't like, but I'm going to read you the one that I liked. Okay. I'm going to read them both, but this is the one that I was like, what? Okay. Okay. When former Fox executive Darlene Tipton— lost her job 46 days after Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 vanished. She was initially greeted with a mixture of sympathy because um, it was she was saying that she, she claimed to be fired as vice president of the network because she was using her work email to organize a fundraiser for the families of those that were on board. Okay. So that's what she's like, they're firing me for using my work email for doing this. Mm-hmm. Tipton had contacted the girlfriend of American passenger Philip Wood. Her name is Sarah. I want to say back. It's B-A-J-C. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. There's like a family, like, they've been Playing. in and out of that car, playing up and down the sidewalk. Like, I don't know. Chinese, what's it called? Chinese fire drill? Yeah. Without the stoplight. <laughs> yeah. She contacted this, this missing man's girlfriend. Mm-hmm claiming that she and her husband, Ken, had proof that those on board were alive. Still alive. Okay. Uh, So in a series of wild-ass emails. (laughs) After she was fired? Or she contacted her before she was fired? Before. This was was what caused her to get fired. Okay. 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 Um, 
She claimed her husband, Ken, had visions of passengers during a stint in the hospital. He had a spinal surgery. She promised to reveal the plane's location and raise millions for Philip's girlfriend on the condition that she agreed to waive all future compensation claims. Uh, Ms. Bach was shocked by all of this and got a hold of Fox and to be like, hey, is this person for real? What the fuck is she talking about? Do you know anything about her? Fox responded by firing Darlene Tipton. She um, had been a veteran of the network for 24 years and had won Emmys. Dang. Yeah. Um, Darlene Tipton went ahead with several online fundraisers, including one called Finding Philip Wood, which raised $100,000 without the consent of his family or his girlfriend or any indication as to what the money would be used for. Uh, Darlene is now raising money to make a movie about the flight, claiming that Flight 370 was deliberately, was, it says deliberately disappeared. I mm-hmm. was deli- The disappearance was deliberately covered up by China's involvement in organ harvesting. Ms. Mm-hmm. Tipton claims the body parts were harvested from members of the Falun Gong group, which is outlawed in China, where it's been labeled a cult as part of an on-demand organ transplant scheme for rich people. Okay. She wants to raise $27 million to make a, like, feature-length movie about this. Mm. So she really thinks this is what's happened. Her husband had visions while in the hospital, and this is what happened to Flight 370. So clearly, Darlene was having a tough time in her life Mm -hmm. and is insane. Also, and I didn't include this, in the late 90s, she raised a bunch of money um, to talk about—oh, God, it was some—oh, raised a bunch of money and said that she was going to broadcast a teenage person losing their virginity. What? For pay-per-view, on pay-per-view, and then— when it came time to make to like air the pay per view, she was going to not air that and use it as um, some way to ha- like highlight teen sex and celibacy. And she just seems like she was kind of losing it. Mm-hmm. Like she was just a little off. Yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's that's one theory. Now here's Amelia's theory. This <laughs> this Amelia. This is the one. <laughs> This is the one that got Amelia all into it, okay? Okay. On March 13th, 2018, (sighs) a Twitter user by the name of Ty uploaded a screen recording of a voicemail he received. Um, There was a link to that recording on YouTube, and it's no longer there. It says content not available. Mm. I feel like I remember this going around. Yeah, I'm sure you did. The voicemail features an automated voice reciting a code in the NATO phonetic alphabet, translated to read S. Danger, SOS, it is dire for you to evacuate. Be caution, they are not human. 0429339642300, SOS, danger, SOS. Pause. They think it's aliens. I remember that. I do remember that. Okay. Uh, his tweet quickly gained massive amounts of attention, which eventually caused him to deactivate his account. Other Twitter users began responding with various theories, and Ty also started receiving unusual DMs in Morse code and other languages. Oh, my God. I know. Um, due to one of the Morse code messages, original speculation was that the voicemail served as a warning for an impending doomsday. Obviously, that was not true. 
um, because it was like April 18th and we're still fucking here. Uh, another theory suggested that there was a link between the voicemail and Stephen Hawking's death. <laughs> the most compelling theory was that the voicemail was a message from Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. That the voicemail was linked um, to Flight 370 because the coordinates in the message were allegedly close to where the flight mm-hmm. vanished from the radar. Okay. Okay. Um, Twitter users say that uh, the voicemail was actually a recording from the plane's black box, which would be why the message contains SOS. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The theory says that the flight encountered an inhuman form, which could explain the mysterious disappearance. Do you want me to tell you what a black box is? Nobody—everybody knows what that is. Yeah. Yeah. so the voicemail was in a weird format. It wasn't like from a normal phone call. It appears that the message is looped, so it continues to play. There's an extra S at the beginning of each mm-hmm. message. Um, that kind of supports the black box theory. It's unlikely that the black box survived in the ocean for four years and then sent the message. Yeah. Uh, there's no explanation on why Twitter user Ty was the person to receive the message. Um, in an interview, he explained that he didn't like the publicity he received. He received death threats and hate comments and sure. um, that he had no motivation to make, like, to make up a hoax or a scheme because then he deactivated his account. Like, he wasn't trying to get Twitter famous. He, this mm-hmm. was sent to him and he shared it. Um, well, this is a bit far-fetched. Most people say that since there's no hard evidence that the passengers and crew had an alien encounter— that the coordinates and format of the message was probably just a prank mm-hmm. played on this guy. I think it was the Langoliers. That's it. Nobody knows what happened. That's crazy. And that remember you sent me a story about it the other day. Did you read yeah. that story? No, I didn't. I just saw the headline and mechanical failure. Mm. Mm. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, WTHR. I just yeah, I just saw the headline and knew that you were doing yeah. the story. So I sent it over to you. That was it. That's crazy. It's crazy. I I don't know how. I don't have. I feel like it's probably just some unfortunate mechanical failure and the ocean's real big. Yeah. The ocean's like. Scary big. Scary big and scary deep. Yeah. So like I get that they searched, what was it, like 46,000 miles or mm-hmm. whatever of ocean. Like the ocean's fucking deep. It's like deep. deeper than like humans can handle. Yeah. And we like, can't. Probably even the technology that we've fathomed and created can even handle so like right it is fucking weird that nothing from the passengers has washed ashore no mm. nothing from their luggage has washed ashore yeah. there's a lot of weirdness mm-hmm. but i think i think we all know it's yeah. just down there somewhere that's insane i'm glad insane. I was thinking when you first started, I'm glad you didn't do this closer to August when I'm going to be on a plane to Vegas. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, I'm not a, I'm not a terror. I don't get scared flying. But if you would have done this before, yeah. like right before I got on a plane, I'd have been a little, little spooked. Yeah. Have you seen or Amelia seen um, Manifest on AV? And no, but NBC? you talked about it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. When fall TV came out. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, yeah, because it got renewed, and I sent you a message about it or something. Yeah, it's— I was like, oh! It's, uh, 
very similar to their flight goes missing. It's the very first episode, so this isn't a spoiler, but their flight goes missing for five years. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, they ex- they experience, like, an electrical storm, and they're, they're on the plane for just, like, a standard plane, a standard flight time. But mm-hmm. when they land, they're like, you've been missing for five years. And so then it's a story about how all the characters mm-hmm. are, like, they're experiencing weird, like, weird telekinesis things and, mm-hmm. like, visions, and they call them callings. And, like, Ugh. this guy. So it's, I bet, I... I don't know because I didn't. I think much it's about based this, off of. But this. I bet it's based off of. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure that was an inspiration for it of how it just went missing. That's funny because it wasn't everybody on the plane, or was it everybody on the plane that just that in manifest? Everybody on the plane. Everybody on the plane. Yeah, because it was like so they're coming home from like Hawaii or something from mm-hmm. a family vacation in Hawaii, and then the plane is too full, so they give out, they give, like, $500 travel vouchers or whatever if you, if you get on the, like, the next plane. So, like, half the family, it's the, the dad and the son and then the dad's sister, Mm -hmm. they get on the, they stay back and get on the delayed flight, and then there's, like, other passengers that do it, too, and then that plane, the one that they all got the travel vouchers Mm -hmm. for, is the one that experiences. Oof. The time I'm gonna thing. watch that probably because that's if, right up my alley. So we're this was when was this again? 2014, March 8th, 2014. Uh, I was gonna say what if five years, but five years was March. So I was like, what if five years later, like it just appeared, just like that show? That'd be amazing. That'd be so crazy. But it's already been five years. Maybe it'll be ten years. years. That there was a bunch of stories, uh, like March time of wrapping it all up. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And and when did that? Like, I, they have that to— That guy got contacted. Unfortunately, eventually, cases like that, they've got to close them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they have to no, make a decision yeah. and close them. So I'm sure I'm sure that five-year mark in March, they were like, this is what we have to go with because we don't have any other things. Right. Um, if there's any sort of cover-up, I, I feel like it would have to be with uh, mechanical records. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think that anyone would be actually covering up is, like, some sort of um, negligence mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, the airplane repairs and things like that. Yeah. 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 I agree. I don't, I don't think, think it's, it's aliens. I don't, I don't think that yeah. Darlene's husband had a vision and knows what the fuck happened to everybody. I wonder if this is uh, just— you know, just tell mommy. Off. <laughs> what if it was like a government cover up, like in Manifest, and they like kidnapped these, yeah, these passengers, and they're like testing on them. Yeah, I think a lot of people legitimately think shit like that happens. That'd be crazy. Like, but also, how do you get a plane out of midair? <laughs> like, right. You like, you know what I mean? You're just gonna grab it and kidnap all these people. I'm just gonna grab. <laughs> I wish you could have seen her grab my shit just then. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I'm. I would say, yeah, for sure, mechanical failure. Failure, and it's at the very deep bottom of the depths of the ocean. Right. But stuff washes ashore. Still, you don't know what fucking happens. Maybe aliens are real. Maybe. Maybe the government is. Maybe the Langoliers have to clean up all of the past, and they have to eat it up. And the plane went through the aurora borealis. And got stuck in a different, what is it? Not universe. Yeah, universe. Dimension. Dimension. Mm-hmm. And the Langoliers ate them. Is the, their flight intended or 
un, in unintended, that wasn't anywhere near the Bermuda Triangle, was it? I don't think I don't so. think it was, because mm. otherwise that would have been like a... I was Bermuda, just I don't know where the Jamaica. Bermuda Triangle actually is Ooh, in not China. geography. Well, I know it's not in China. <laughs> How close? It's like the other side of the world or something. <laughs> is the Bermuda Triangle... Oh, the first place it says is to Florida. Of course, Florida. I think it is closer to Florida than it is anything. Like- to Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, that one. I'm not the first person that's thought it. Bermuda, Jamaica. Jamaica. Oh, I want to Oh, it's 16,000 kilometers away. It's across the world away. See, I told you. It's probably across the world. That's fine. What it's if very like- close to... If there's like an inverted Bermuda Triangle Ooh, that's starting, like on the other side of the Bermuda Triangle oh of the God. world, and it's like it's like a reverse Bermuda Triangle, Come on, pretty but still has mama. the same effect. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> that's really good. I really I like this because it makes you think. It makes you think. It makes you want to go watch some more. I want to go watch YouTube theory videos. Bullshit. I know. <laughs> what am I gonna do? This? I've only got, <laughs> got two hours left to work. I think I'm just gonna watch YouTube you videos on conspiracy. Conspiracy uh, theories. When I think about you being here, like after I've been home for an hour or two, I'm like, my baby. I know. <laughs> I hate it. I love Britney's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Remember? Remember that time? Remember that time twice? <sighs> <sighs> just saying. Interesting. Um, let's wrap this up and then we can gossip some more just real quick. Okay, good. Um, if you have any conspiracy theories... Please, because I'm or into any it. opinions. Opinions. Let us know. I want to do. Maybe I'll do a conspiracy theory next. Do week. it. Do one. If you got a conspiracy theory you want me to do next week? Tell me. I'm gonna make my kids start telling you what they want you to do because they're like, "Oh, you should do this one," and it's like a murder that happened seven thousand years ago and has like four sentences of yeah. info about it, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. I miss you this week. Good. This is like too. the only time we get to hang out now. So these know, podcasts are getting excessive. It's fine. Okay. It's okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a lovely day. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>